Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about reducing screen time in their home. I'm Melanie Hempe. Thank you so much for listening. Today, we are here with Mandy Hammond, one of our Screen Strong moms. Welcome, Mandy. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here today. Before we begin, we want to take just a few minutes to recognize and pay tribute to Colin Karchner. Uh, many of you have known, grown to know and love Colin over the past few years, and you, as well as us, were so impacted by his work, his humor, his wisdom, and his gifts. And we are still in total shock over his sudden loss. Um, for years, Screen Strong has been committed to rescuing kids from the dark screen culture that they are caught in and standing firm in our bold message. Colin knew how to stand firm and be bold, and nothing can replace him. But we're happy you're here to join us, carrying on this legacy to save the kids. We will be forever grateful to Colin, his work, and his family. Okay, for today's show, we'll be talking about our history with Screen Strong and how to begin the process of reducing screen time in your home. Mandy, tell us how many months have you been Screen Strong? Um, well, looking back, I had to do the math, but we actually started this journey um, right before quarantine, which is a funny time to start. So about nine months. Oh, well, let's see. I think I beat you. I have been, <laughs> <laughs> I've been on this journey for a long time. I know many people know my story, but I'm going to give just a brief overview. And then Mandy, you're going to share a little bit about your story. And we're just so glad um, we're able to do this. And we're just so glad everybody's here. So just few minutes, I'm going to take um, just five minutes to explain a little bit if you're new to Screen Strong. So my background is that I'm a nurse. In fact, I'm a labor and delivery nurse. I have um, my husband and I have four children and Adam is our oldest. And what happened with our son is the reason actually why Screen Strong got started. And this was a number of years ago when Adam became very addicted to video games. And this was before anybody even knew there was such a thing as a video game addiction. Like that was a really like bad word. <laughs> and cause I remember talking to my friends about it and they're like, Ooh, you can't be addicted to a video game. And I'm like, okay, well then there's something else wrong with my son. So Adam ended up going through middle school and dropping out of all of his sports and activities. And, um, that was really disconcerting. And then he got into high school and got a laptop and he just gamed all the time and he actually ended up dropping out of college because of his gaming. And we have um, um, actually recorded a pretty good story, a long story um, of Adam and our story with Adam on, on Colin's podcast. So if y'all want to jump over there and listen, it was in August on the 20th, you can hear Adam's full story. But just for purposes for today, I will tell you that what happened was I was depending on a lot of opinions from you know, the media and from culture and from things I was reading. And I was depending on my friends to try to help me with something that was just a disaster in our home with the conflict. And Adam was an experiment. And I think all of our kids, I know, Mandy, you agree with this, that we feel like that this generation that has just come through, um, really, they've just been an experiment. And, you know, it just, it didn't work out so well for us. And I was really tired of all these opinions. And so when Adam came home from college, he said, mom, I'm dropping out. I didn't finish my classes. That game did something to me. It was, as you can imagine, just really devastating. So I dove in, I did a lot of research. I started looking at medical science. I used a lot of my background in my nursing, a lot of the physicians and the neuroscientists that I knew 
and started unpacking what turned out to be this huge discovery um, with gaming addiction. And so at our school, what happened was one of the counselors said, well, Melanie, do you think you could come and talk to some other parents? And um, so we decided to put a little sign up. We did a meeting. And our first meeting, we had over 100 people. I think there was like 120 people that showed up. So wow, we were really surprised. And that's when I realized that I needed to speak out more for what happened to us, you know, and for families that were struggling. There were so many moms and dads that came to that meeting that just looked at me like, are you living in my house? Because <laughs> I was describing what was going on in our home and it caused so much pain and conflict. And so today y'all might be sitting there just trying to figure it out. And we're just here to say that we have walked this um, path. And and I did certainly with Adam and as our other children were coming up with Melissa, my daughter, um, she was, of course, coming up with a smartphone and we decided not to give her a smartphone. I decided I had made so many mistakes with Adam that I didn't want to make more mistakes. And and then, of course, we have a story of Melissa and what happened there again on another Colin podcast that was... Um, um, let's see, I don't remember when that one was. That was in October, I think. But you can hear that story there. But with Melissa, we just said no to social media. After what happened with Adam, I wasn't going to go through that again. So we said no to social media. And these wonderful things started happening in our family. And I just felt like we didn't lose our daughter. Like so many of my friends felt like they were losing their kids to social media. So then we have two younger boys, they're twins, they're 16 now, but around that same time, we decided that we would have a game-free home. After what happened with Adam, I was like, I'm not going to do this again. And I often tell Adam that he saved his little brothers. And so we started having a game-free home and it was fabulous. And what we learned was it was so much easier to raise kids um, screen free or gaming free than it was to try to negotiate and, and manage and deal with all of the conflicts that happen when kids are on screens today. So Mandy, I don't know um, if your story is a lot different, but I think all of our stories start to sound very similar. I think we have very similar threads and to any story, you just get frustrated with the screens that are really dismantling your home. And that's what happened to us. We just, honestly, it was the hardest thing um, that we had dealt with. And I felt like another part of the thing that made it so hard was that nobody was talking about it. And I didn't really have a community. And so many of my friends said, well, how's he ever going to learn, you know, technology? If you take it away, you can't take it away. And you know, right where he is and he's getting straight A's and he's safe. And they would tell me all these things and I'm like, but he's not developing. There's something wrong with a kid who spends, you know, five hours a day on a video game and he would play all through the night. Um, so we really went through a, a lot of, um, anguish, but through all those mistakes, um, with, with Adam, I decided to um, just really organize all of the science and all the stuff from brain development to just that practical, how do you do life differently? So Mandy, tell us what happened to you and a little bit about your story. Sure. A um, little background in our, we've got three children. I've been married to my husband for 21 years and we got married really young and we had three kids pretty much right out the gate. So we're, um, we've got 
a 16-year-old son, 15-year-old daughter, and 12-year-old son. And I'd say we were pretty conservative on waiting to introduce technology to our kiddos. I mean, they had plenty of, uh, you know, baby Beethoven and all of that when they were little that I wish I would have known now that that wasn't as beneficial as they told me, you know, 16 years ago. But we also, you know, as their peers were starting to get smartphones over the last decade, we were like, "Eh, no, we're not comfortable with that. Um, We're going to wait. We're going to wait. And so we did what is pretty, I would say, quite the fad these days. And that's wait wait until, you know, they're 14, wait till high school, whatever. And that's what we did. So for our two older ones, we gave a smartphone at their 14th birthday. We made a big to do about it. Super exciting. And what ended up happening was it, it kind of backfired on us and kind of similar to your story, Melanie, you know, nobody's really talking about it, but yet we're all kind of struggling inside of our four walls of our home with this. And it just started to become this constant, I felt like I was the master helicopter parent, you know, and people go, well, you can't, you can't, you know, I'd hear people say, well, you can't um, protect your child forever. You know, technology, this is just the way it is. They have to learn how to be in the world and how to deal with this stuff. You know, you're being a helicopter parent by worrying about what they're seeing on their phone. But what I was finding is I was being the helicopter parent more doing that than if I was to take it away. So what we did was I had the opportunity to meet you, Melanie, as you know, in back in February, just by a fluke chance that I happened to be in Charlotte and we met at a Starbucks and Melanie told me her story. And I read her books before I got home on that trip. Um, mainly the, can your teen survive and thrive without a smartphone? And it intrigued me. And I thought I literally came home with like a fire inside of me and said to my husband, we need to do this. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm kind of done experimenting with my kids' brains. And Mm -hmm. I think, Melanie, what the big like push for me was, was finally understanding the science behind it. And I'm a very, Mm -hmm. I can be emotional person, (laughs) you know, and I'm very empathetic and I don't want my kids to feel bad. I don't want them to be left out. Like that is me as a mom. Um, However, when I took the emotion out of it and really was presented with the science, like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy for thinking my kids act crazy when they've spent an hour on a video game or, you know, their attitude stinks when they've been on the phone, you know, scrolling Instagram or whatever. Oh, I'm not imagining that, you know, like it started to make sense that the science is there. And I just, I kind of got this little righteous anger inside of me, like, no, no more. Like I'm getting my kids back. And Mm -hmm. so I really credit screen strong for that, honestly. And I'm so honored to kind of, um, be with you all now, like doing the work that we're doing for kids. Cause I'm just so inspired now to tell the world, like it doesn't have to be this way. So kind of just our stories that it backfired on us. Yeah. You know, we were constantly fighting over things on the phone and I was just, I was over it. And so yeah. we took away screens right before quarantine, which what crazy timing, right? <laughs> um, but we literally came off spring break. Like I met you end of February, go on spring break. And I was like, we're making some changes. And, um, So we majorly cut back on screens over quarantine, which was huge for our family. And what I started to see happen was mind blowing. I've seen my teenagers finding things to do. You know, we ordered some dot to dot, like extreme dot to dot on Amazon. We were ordering paints. Like my daughter took up painting and she just loves it now. Um, My oldest found an old weed whacker in the woods and, you know, took it apart, was tinkering with it in the garage. And I started to see their creativity come out again And I started to see my kids come back and the attitudes stopped and we stopped fighting and we were laughing again as a family and we were connecting and that's how it is to this day. And I, I love it. And now what's fun, I'll just give you a little, little peek into the future. When you do this and you commit to this, 
you not only get your kids back, but they start to see the big picture too, as they get older. And that's where we're at now, you know, nine months in is that my kids are starting to see it for themselves and they're going, wow, I feel amazing not having mm-hmm. in front of my face, you know, like I feel great. Yeah. So that's kind of the brief little nutshell of our story, but. No, I love it. I love your story. And I know that you get it and I, I get it too. And I just get um, so excited about sharing with people because there was just like this huge pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or something. Yeah. And it's so hard to explain it to people until you start to experience it. And usually, usually you um, really aren't looking for a change until things get kind of rough in your home. And I hate that. I wish we could do more prevention out there because um, I, I just do feel like there's so many families that are in, you know, they're just making the wrong decisions like, like we did. I mean, I made, I, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I didn't realize, because there's a couple of things I want to go over really quickly. There's one thing was that screens were very different than they were 10 years prior. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we weren't playing Pac-Man anymore. Our kids weren't playing little silly games. They were um, games like the army games and all the persuasive design that goes behind video games and social media today it's very different than it ever used to be. And so Mandy, I think when we grew up, we're saying, well, you know, games weren't really a problem then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were at the arcade, you ran out of quarters, you went home, you know, it was of a whole different experience um, than it is today. And the other thing that I also realized is that parents have blind spots and I had a big blind spot and there are biases and blind spots that we have. I really didn't think that my, my Adam would ever, get in trouble on a video game and and the blind spots started to go away in high school. And I think that um, a lot of us have been sort of bit, you know, by we've been stung by that bee. And it's like, we realize our our kids will get into trouble Mm -hmm. on video games and they will get into trouble on social media. And we have to let those blind spots like go away. We have to somehow quit letting the blind spot fuel the activity that we're continuing to allow happen in our home. Does that make sense? Like the not my kid disease. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I definitely had that for a while. Um, for sure. I said, no, Oh no, I trust my, my child. Like that wouldn't happen here. And it did right under our nose with all the parental controls and all the things it still doesn't. It still happened. And then we end up, we end up finding all our confirmation biases. So I was doing a lot of reading. I wanted to read about why video games were so good for my kids. <laughs> um, you know, you can find things out there, but for some reason, it just wasn't working in my house. And we were constantly trying to get him off. And I used to call myself the um, game cop mom, you know, because I was constantly setting the timer and all that. So um, so the blind spot is is a problem. And then also, the other thing that really threw me was the current solutions at the time that culture was telling me they the things today that are still very common today that we just need to have more conversations with our kids. If you just sit down and talk to them and you know explain where they should go and not go and oh by the way don't put anybody on your social media that you've never met and you know all of these conversations they sound really good on paper but guys they just they don't, don't work. work. And we're just here to tell you that all of the conversations in the world are not going to save your kids from this stuff. And the parental controls don't work. Adam will tell you stories now. In fact, we'll get him on here one day to explain what he did, but he went around all of our parental controls and um, he went around the, the actual 
server, the router that we had. He figured out our passwords. He did all of that to hack it all. And, you know, we just thought we had things locked down. In fact, Mandy, just yesterday, I talked to a mom who said that they had the circle, like, it, you know, it's a parental control. And all the kids did was unplug it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I didn't even ever think of that. Oh, you could just unplug it. <laughs> so, um, so what happened that this is why these problems are happening in, in your home, probably today, if you're listening, you're, you've got some biases, maybe you have some blind spots. Um, you're not realizing that screens are as powerful as, as they are and that they're very different than they used to be. Um, and then also these parental controls just aren't working. And so Mandy, what you touched on a minute ago about the brain science, let's talk about that a second, because we have a workshop and I have a lot of information on our website, but there are just a very few things that I think we need to talk about. Um, especially if you're new to this whole concept about the brain science behind screen use and the brain science behind child development. And the first thing is that our kids are not little adults. And this was such a big epiphany for me when I realized that my 16 year old Adam was not an adult. I didn't realize it. He was taller than me. He had a mustache. I immediately thought, you know, he's done growing. He's, he can handle all this on his own, but I didn't realize that it was really going to take you know, to those mid 20 years um, before his frontal cortex was developed. And so the reason why our kids are making mistakes on all this stuff, it's not their fault. It is their brain development. And I'm not trying to just give them a hall pass because they do need to obviously use that brain that they have. But we are, we are trying to force our kids to be adults and make good decisions and quick decisions with a brain that is not fully connected yet, their frontal cortex is not developed. It's getting there, but it is not there yet. It is not fully connected. So they have trouble with impulse control. They have trouble making decisions. They have trouble playing the tape forward and understanding what their consequences are going to be of their actions. And then we fuss at them when they can't handle their video games or they do, you know, something harmful on social media. So that's, that's a huge thing for, for parents to understand about brain development. And just because your kids are intelligent doesn't mean that they are mature. They are not mature enough to use um, these devices, even though they are really intelligent. And the second thing about brain science that just really stuck out to me when I was doing all my research with Adam was that there are so many chemicals it, you know, released in their brain when they're playing video games. And it, the, the stimulation that occurs in that limbic area of their brain, it's crazy. It's like, Mandy, it's like they're on a roller coaster. Yeah. And it's like they're living um, in this constant state of fight flight. I mean, can you imagine like going yeah. to an amusement park every single day? I, yeah. I, I, it's I, a, we weren't created for that. We weren't created for the constant with no end. And right. the way that social media and our phones are set up now, there's no end on these apps. There's no end on the game. You're just, and so your body gets overwhelmed. It's crazy. And that, yeah. And that's why um, it becomes an addiction. And I, I didn't understand it and, until I did all my research. And um, the chemo, it's a chemical addiction. And so when your kid gets off or when I would try to take the game away from Adam, he would have a meltdown. He'd get mad. He'd throw something. It's withdrawal. So you look at it you have to look at it like an addiction because it's there are chemicals involved. So that's, that's a huge point to understand about the brain science. And then the other thing about brain science is that, um, you know, this stuff is making them sick. 
And, and now, you know, kids today, they're on all these medications because they have all these impulse control issues. Of course they have impulse control issues. I mean, there's a lot of reasons they have that, but one is this hyperstimulation of their brain. Um, they aren't moving enough. They're not eating right, you know, getting enough exercise, all that stuff, the ATM, the attachment touch and movement that we talk about. And uh, this is all happening during the most impressionable stage of their development. So you were taking a kid, it really, in some respects, almost their, their most impressionable stage. Um, we know that, for example, a 15 year old, that, that their tolerance for rejection is at its worst. They have very little tolerance. They get very depressed and anxious if they get rejected. Well, this is what happens on social media every day. So, um, there's a lot of science that I think our culture is really missing on this issue, Mandy. I think that if we don't have to all become brain scientists, but there are certain things that as parents now, unfortunately, we really need to understand about brain science if we're going to try to manage all this stuff in our kids' lives. Yeah. The, um, the solution that, that we have found is to remove in the game and replace that time or remove the phone, replace that time with other things. As with any other addiction, you can try to manage the dose of the drug, but that's very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. And so it is hard work, but it's hard for the very beginning, right? It's not so hard down the road. And I think Mandy, you can really speak to this about the initial phase of actually cutting back, what was that like for y'all? Well, it was a little rough. I mean, I, I have this vivid memory of sitting around the kitchen table and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. And we started off with, Hey, we're just going to do this as a challenge, you know, seven days or 30 days, you know, I'm just going to try to push it as long as I could, but we're going to make some changes around here. And I can very vividly remember that conversation, Melanie. It was very much a lot of rolling of eyes and huffing and puffing and sighing and no, this is stupid, you know, all the things. And I just took Melanie's advice from reading her book and, and I'd been following a lot of her stuff and reading some of her blogs. And I thought, nope, I'm going to keep a happy attitude. And mm-hmm. I, that's when I gave them opportunity. Hey, what can we order on Amazon? You know, now that we're stuck at home, you know, what, what do you, what would you like to do? And so we had a puzzle out and we just started doing all these things that we never did because the screens mm-hmm. were there. And mm-hmm. so over time though, that gets better. But yeah, you do have to go through that initial kind of detox phase, just like anybody would that's coming off of an addiction. So yeah, I, I just want to make it really clear that you may be listening and you may be thinking, oh, I think I can still manage it. I think we can still allow it on the weekends or we can still whatever, allow it, you know, one night a week or something. And I'm telling you, that is the hardest thing to do. That is so hard. Your kids need a break. You need a clean break and you need to reset their, their brains and their wants and their desires and their hobbies. And it's very difficult to do that if you're still allowing it. Now, I will say that just, just to be clear, I just want everybody to understand that what we mean when we say that we're screen strong and we're living this kind of screen strong lifestyle, it is not screen free. What we do is we use screens for good. We will watch a family movie or, you know, my kids will watch baseball or we'll do something on a screen. And of course they use screens for their homework and whatnot, but we're not going to use them for harmful activities anymore. <laughs> we're done. And the, the problem is some of these activities, they seem like, oh, but it's okay. It's just social media or it's just, you know, video game. They're not okay. It's not okay. This stuff is not designed for our kids. And we need to hit the pause button 
And, you know, we're not saying forever because we know that there'll come a day when they've got to get on. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, Mandy, and they say, well, if, if your kids don't have video games right now or social media, they're never going to be able to use it later. And I think that's probably one of the biggest myths. And we'll cover that in, a, in, a, in one of our next podcasts. But I'll, I'll just talk about that for a second. Um, when your kids are using an addictive activity, the more they use it, the worse it gets. So like, for example, when they play um, piano, for example, you, you can practice piano and you get better, but when you practice social media, you get worse. And I I think that's a real mystery out there that parents don't understand. I certainly did not understand that. And I'm here to just tell y'all again, and to remind you, I have made so many mistakes, but I'm so excited now to realize that now that we're screen strong, that we can take all these hours, you know, that Adam spent between seven and 10,000 hours on his video game. And he wishes he had those hours back because he didn't convert them into anything. And now with the little kids, I'm, I'm figuring out that you've got to convert those hours into life skills and, um, you know, teach them how to have conversations, teach them how to have grit, how to do hard work, how to make a schedule, how to plan things, how to get things done. And we have a lot of fun. Like you said, we, um, that's a big thing now in our family that we just enjoy our kids so much more. Like it's, it's kind of weird to have to explain it like that. But like Adam will even say, you know, mom, I didn't have a very good childhood. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And I know you didn't because you sat in the basement and you played video games. And then probably when he wasn't on him, you were fighting about him being on it. You know, that's what he's remembering. And that's right. And because he didn't develop any stories and he didn't like, he didn't have any family stories, like, you know, the humor and the different things in your family that are so special. So that was really frustrating. Um, when I realized what I had done and I take full responsibility, my husband and I take full responsibility because we're the parents. And so with the screen strong challenge, Um, what you do is you change your mindset and you become a coach. And this is very helpful because sometimes it's really hard as parents, you know, um, to be the mean mom, right. And take the stuff away. But when you realize that, you know, Mandy, I remember when when we first met and I told you, you know, you, you don't have to be a mean mom. You're just going to be a good coach. Right. That was, that was key in my shift in my brain. Yeah. And so it gives you something to work toward. And if your team is losing, you got a new game plan and you've got to fix things and they've got to go back to the basics and your team needs to do what you say and nobody votes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and so that's what the challenge is. The challenge, we actually take you through that and we, um, we kind of go through how to be the coach, how to get your friends around you, how to get support. And like we have the screen strong families, support group, you know, the Facebook group. So we're there to help you. And that group is so fabulous. And we're so proud of all the moms in there. They're helping each other. Um, And then you start pulling this stuff out of your house. We do believe in cold turkey. We've tried it both ways. It doesn't really work Mm -hmm. (laughs) the other way. So we pull it out and then um, you start replacing your kid's time with things that really matter. So we're going to wrap up here in a minute, but Mandy, um, talk about a couple of things that y'all are doing now. And how did that transition go when you were trying to do that replacement? Because this is all about replacing. You can't take stuff away without having a plan to replace it. Yeah. I think that's the key thing. I think when parents 
when I talk to friends that just feel very overwhelmed at the idea of taking something away, um, I always encourage them and say, you have to have something to replace it with. Because if you don't, they're going to sit there and be very bored and be very um, sad and depressed or whatever else. And now balancing that out though, I just said to my 12 year old today, it's okay for you to be bored. (laughs) I want them to be bored because out of that comes creativity. And so, you know, we just, we had those moments where it just wasn't an option to be in front of a screen, the TV or anything. And so that forced them to go sit outside and look at the sky. It forced them to, you know, read a book or whatever it was. So it takes a lot of effort on the parents' part. It really does because it is was much easier back then. I will tell you because I work from home and it was much easier just to know that they were being entertained on their screen and I might not hear from them for hours. Mm-hmm. But then that mm-hmm. was you know really backfiring on us later. So now how it looks is I might be a lot more involved in conversation now throughout the day with my kids than I was before. I might not get as much work done as I did before. Mm-hmm. But you know yeah. then I have to change my mindset and go but I only get this time with them once and they only get one childhood. And when I started really looking at it that way, I started feeling proud at the fact that we took these things away. I'm proud of my kids now that they've adapted to this just fine, you know, and we are a walking testimony of how amazing it can be. Well, and I love that you um, also, you seem like every time I talk to you that you don't have any problem explaining to your friends, like you're not apologizing or whatever. I mean, I think that, that that's a big obstacle for us as parents because our peers are, absolutely. you know, we feel like they're judging us or whatever sometimes. So, um, so yeah. What do you say to your friends that act like maybe you're crazy? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that people think I'm crazy at this point. Um, <laughs> but then I just go, but this is our family. And as, as frustrated as I get, and I just, I literally want, I feel this burden to just go save the world and save every child out there and tell, and just shake every parent and say, no, 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 don't do it this way. Don't do it the way we did. I want to catch those parents with those five-year-olds, you know, and say, don't just don't do it. Um, so I think what helps me is when I just speak out of my experience. You know, mm. when you've experienced something as great as this and you realize, oh my goodness, it actually feels amazing to not go along with culture. Like our family's benefiting so much. You can't help but share that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is really a very common issue across the board. This is not something to be ashamed of. It's not something like, well, my kid, I found this on their phone or, you know, yeah, my kid just won't stop playing video games. This is an issue in most homes across America. So when we realize that and just do hard things, you know, you got to do it. You got to do hard things. I was telling a friend this the other day, um, and this was a meme I saw going through on, on social media ironically. Um, but that's for adults, I should add, yeah. but, um, yeah. you know, it's talking about doing hard things. And so that's been my thing, even with my kids, it's like, look, you can do hard things and everything's going to be hard in life and mm-hmm. make taking the stand and kind of going against the flow and saying, actually, we're not going to be attached to screens. Like all of your peers are, that's really hard. It's hard for them too. But mm-hmm. also what's hard is allowing them to stay in you know, in the situation that you're in and staying there and, and what's it going to look like 10 years from now, that might be really, really hard. So it's just kind of choosing your heart and choosing, um, mm. to share your experience and let people know like, Hey, you can do it too. And so that's where I'm always coming from is from our experience and just it, from a point of empowering people, like you can do this. And that's what I hope this podcast will bring to people as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so that's so encouraging. And if I can also just add to that, that it is not as hard as you think. Yes. 
your life is actually a lot easier once yeah. once you do it. So going back to the hard thing I just said, the hard yeah. thing is doing it. Yeah. I would say once you do it, it's it, your life is actually so much easier. Oh, just no and I, I mean, I have been there and I've been in the worst of the worst and the best of the best with this. And, and it's hard, I guess at first, but it is nowhere near as hard as waking up one day with a, you know, 16 year old gamer in your house and realizing that you have a child who doesn't have any other hobbies and he's not going to launch and yeah. that's the heartbreak and that's what we're trying to avoid. So I think a lot of parents get stuck and there are probably people listening that are like, well, I know that if I took my kids screens away, if I took their phone away, if I took their games away, that it would just be so incredibly difficult and there's no way I can live like that. Well, you can, because that phase will short, will be short. It will end. But the phase that won't end is the phase of letting them continue to have it. And that you will, at some point, I don't care if they're in college or, or maybe they get out of college and they can't get a job and they're living back at your house and they can't get married because they don't even know how to date. I mean, all these things that have, it goes on and on and on. So it's pay now or pay later. And we're here to really, really support you, Mandy. Thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have you, of course, we're going to be doing some stuff together. I'm going to have you on again. And, um, and we want to hear from, um, the other moms too. We have, moms out there with, with really good stories that are able to just encourage us. And my, I guess I just get encouraged every day when I get on the side and I start realizing that there's so many people that are turning this around. So thank you so much for, for coming. And if y'all want to um, get more information, of course, you go to the Screen Strong Families Facebook group and you can find out more about this challenge. You can actually sign up for the challenge and it's a seven day to start. It's free. You just get emails every day. And then in the group, you can um, jump in there and ask questions and we're there to help you. So we really encourage you to give it a try. And even just after a week, it's amazing what can happen. Um, we encourage you to do it for set or for more than seven days, for 30 days. But even after a week, you can start to see some changes in your kids. So Mandy, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I just hope everyone enjoyed listening today. And we're so happy to get back on and share more science and, and more stories with you. So remember that um, Screen Strong, we're here for you. We've got your back and we're to help you reclaim your kids and reconnect your families. So until next time, stay strong. 